All right, welcome back. It's been some time. I've gone. I think I've said this a different podcast. I've gone from the NIV to the King James to the 1611 King James to the I think I think it's 1539 Geneva Bible and the Matthews Bible. I think 15. I can't even remember, 1527 or 37, the Matthews Bible, and gone to the Greek Septuagint last, which that doesn't have the New Testament in it. And it's a pretty graphic Bible. Uh, But now we've moved down to the um, Holy Bible. It's the Aramaic uh, translation into English and from what I've been looking online it looks like this is the language that Jesus uh, spoke when he was on earth so I'm going to just read the Psalms 1 and I've just started reading this Bible then we're going to jump over to Romans uh, but I've underlined things that are I've compared this Bible to the King James Version and the Matthews and yeah this one's different (laughs) Uh, it says words are left out words are added to words are changed this one just seems to be more true than any of them I've read so far so Psalms 1 And I would highly suggest to grab your Bible and follow follow along, uh, because I guarantee the words aren't going to be in modern Bibles. A lot of it does match up with King James, but a lot of it doesn't. Psalms 1 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the way of the ungodly, nor abides by the counsel of sinners, nor sits in the company of mockers, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law does he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by a stream of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaves fall not off, and whosoever he begins, he accomplishes. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chafe which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not be justified in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. All right, so we're going to jump over. I was reading in Romans chapter 7 and 8 kind of go together. It's talking about the law, and this Bible has no references to any other verses it just reads just like a regular book Uh, occasionally there might be one little note I've only seen that two or three times so far this is Romans chapter 7 and again I would uh, follow along with whatever Bible you have and see see if the confusion is cleared up and the waters are (laughs) they're much clearer I believe in the, this version chapter 7 Romans 
Do you not know, my brethren, I speak to them who know the law, that the law has authority over a person as long as he lives, just as a woman is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. But if her husband should die, she is freed from the law of her husband. Thus, if, while her husband is alive, she should be attracted to another man, she becomes an adulteress. But if her husband is dead, she is free from the law, so that she is not an adulteress, though she becomes another man's wife. And when I read this, I'm thinking of Adam and Eve. Adam brought sin into the world, and then I'm thinking of Jesus, the second Adam, brought life into the world. I don't know if that's correct or not, but going on, verse 4, wherefore, my brethren, you also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that you might become another's, even to him who arose from the dead, so that you may bring forth fruit to God. For when we were in the flesh, the pains of sin, which were by the law, worked in our members to bring forth fruits to death. But now we are freed from the law, being dead to that which had hold upon us. And we should henceforth serve in newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. What shall, shall we say then is the law sin? Far be it. I would not have known the meaning of sin except by means of the law. For I would never have known the meaning of covetousness unless the law said, Thou shalt not covet. So by means of this commandment, sin found an occasion and provoked in me every kind of desire. For without the law, sin was dead. Formerly I lived without the law, but when the commandment came, sin came to life and I died. And the commandment which was ordained to life I found to be for death. For sin, finding occasion by the commandment, misled me, and by it killed me. Wherefore the law is holy, and the commandment holy, and just and good. Has then that which is good become death to me? Far be it. But sin that is exposed as sin, and works death in me, for that which is good, will be the more condemned by means of the law. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, enslaved to sin. For I do not know what I do, and I do not do the thing which I want, but I do the thing which I hate. That is exactly what I do. So then, if I do that which I do not wish to do, I can testify concerning the law that it is good. Now then, it is not I who do it, but sin which dominates me. Yet I know that it does not fully dominate me, that is in my flesh. But as far as good is concerned, the choice is easy for me to make, but to do it is difficult for me. For it is not the good that I wish to do that I do, but it is the evil that I do not wish to do that I do. Now, if I do that which I do not wish, then it is not I who do it, 
but the sin which dominates me. I find, therefore, that the law agrees with my conscience when I wish to do good, but evil is always near, distracting me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, or the soul, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and it makes me a captive to the law of sin, which is in my members. Or that's the church of God, I'm not sure. But it says, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this mortal body? I thank God for deliverance through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, therefore, with my mind, I am a servant of the law of God. But with my flesh, I am a servant of the law of sin. Okay, so chapter 8, Romans it says, hang on, just checking my time. Okay, we're good. Chapter 8, there is therefore no condemnation to them who walk in the flesh after the spirit of Jesus Christ. For the law of the spirit of life, which is in Jesus Christ, has made you free from the law of sin and death. That's the written law. For the law was meat. I'm sorry, for the law was weak through the weakness of the flesh. So God sent his own own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin in order to condemn sin by means of its flesh of his flesh. I'm going to reread verse 3. I kind of stumbled. It says for the law was weak through the weakness of the flesh. So God sent his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin, in order to condemn sin by means of his flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. For we do not walk after the things of the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they who are after the flesh mind the things of the flesh, but they who are after the Spirit mind the things of the Spirit. To be carnally minded is death, but to the spiritually minded is life and peace because the carnal mind is enmity against God for it is not subject to the law of God because it cannot be. So then they who are in the flesh cannot please God, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If the spirit of God truly dwells within you. Now, if any man does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. And if Christ is within you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised our Lord Jesus Christ from, from the dead dwells within you, so he, will, so he who raised Jesus Christ from the dead will also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells within you. Therefore, my brethren, this is uh, Paul speaking. Therefore, my brethren, we are not indebted to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you will die. But if you, through the Spirit, subdue the deeds of the body, you shall live. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. 
for you have not received the spirit of bondage to be in fear again. But you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Aban, Father, our Father. And this spirit bears witness to our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ, so that if we suffer with him, we shall also be glorified with him. For I think that the sufferings of the present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of all mankind waits for the manifestation of the sons of God. For man was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who gave him free will and the hope he would choose rightly, because man himself shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors in pain to this day, and not only they, but ourselves also, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, that is, the salvation of our bodies. For we live in hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For if we see it, why should we yet hope? But if we hope for that which we do not see, then we do wait for it in patience. Likewise, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses, for we do not know what is right and proper for us to pray for. But the Spirit prays for us with that earnestness which cannot be described. <clears throat> and he who searches the hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, for the Spirit prays for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that those who love God are helped by him in everything for good. He knew them in advance, and he marked them with the likeness of the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn, firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, those whom he marked in advance he has called, and those whom he has called he has declared righteous. And those whom he has declared righteous, he has glorified. For then shall we say concerning these things. I mean, let me restart that. Verse 31. What then shall we say concerning these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? If he did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, why will he not freely give us all things with him? Who is to complain against the chosen ones of God? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and rose again, and he is at the right hand. Of God making intercession for us. What shall separate me from the love of Christ? Tribulation or imprisonment? or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. 
as it is written, For your sake we die every day, and we are accounted as lambs for the slaughter. But in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor empires, nor armies, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else created shall be able to separate me from the love of God, which is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Sorry about that. All right, we're going to pause. And then I'll do another segment with chapter 9 and 10 next.